Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you inside. I know a bunch of you out there on the courtyard. Welcome, watching back at home. Uh, Hope you're enjoying your your Sunday. Um, So I did get, I must say, I got a few um, uh, comments this week from people who were very, very surprised I didn't say anything about the UCLA-USC football game last week. So I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but the, I actually was felt sorry for USC, just a little bit, and so I didn't want to make a big deal of it, and I knew we had another game this weekend, but again, UCLA won last night, so way to go Bruins, okay? We're, yes, we will take that. We'll forget about the Gonzaga game, uh, basketball game that happened this week too. Okay, um, hey, a couple of things we had. Last Sunday was uh, our Thanksgiving feast, and we had just a great time last Sunday evening out on the lawn under a tent. Huge thank you to uh, Katrina White for, and her group that put that together, and such a wonderful night. And as part of that night, we um, gave people a chance to fill out, to write something on a colored leaf in, and put them onto our Thanksgiving board. Well, I've put that board outside, and so if you are here today and would like to add something that you are thankful for, you can write on the, a leaf and attach it onto that board, and we'll just have that continue to grow throughout the Advent season. But we have so much to be thankful for is what we're realizing. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, you can continue to do that in the uh, days that come. So so I don't usually start sermons off with a joke. But this week, um, Kess Johnston uh, emailed or texted me a joke. She said that her sons, Charlie and Stevens, got this, they have a little calendar they go through, and this was a joke one. And they said, oh, you've got to send this one to, to Pastor Don. So I said, okay, great. So here we go. Here's what it says. It says, after Sunday services, the priest who performed the mass walked up to one of the congregants, Mrs. Smith. Mrs. Smith, I couldn't help but notice that your husband walked out of my service this morning, said the clergyman. Oh, don't worry, Father, Mrs. Smith replied. He's been walking in his sleep for years. Uh, so thank you, Charlie and Stephen, for thinking that I would enjoy that joke. I'm not sure how to take that. So this is the, uh, we are in the Advent season, like Ken said. It's the anticipation, that's what Advent means, the anticipation of the birth of Jesus. It's also a time where we in the church anticipate the return of Jesus one day. It's kind of both of those. But this week, today we're going to start thinking about, okay, what does it mean that Jesus was born and experience the truth of that? And our theme for this season that we've come up with is, the, is let earth receive her king. Let earth receive her king. It, it came from that song that we just sang, right? The joy to the world, right? There's that great refrain that starts out, joy to the world, the Lord is come Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Prepare him room. So so what we want to do in in this season is to say, what does it mean that Jesus is our king? And, And how do we prepare our hearts in such a way that there's room for him, that there's room for the king to do what he wants to do in our lives? That's what we're gonna do in this Advent time. To uh, give us like a, a little bit of a foundation on this, um, we're going to look at what did, what did it mean for the Israelites to have a king? So you might remember we, we did a series on Joshua back in the spring, I believe, and Joshua brought the people of God into the promised land. 
And then once they were in the promised land and, and it was became a nation, they did not have a king. In fact, God was their king. They were under the kingly rule of Yahweh. And there were what was called judges from time to time who would be come up and raise up to help lead the people if there was a problem going on or a battle that needed to be fought. There, fought. there were these judges. And for about, oh, a few hundred years, that's the way things functioned in the nation of Israel, is that God was their king, and they would have judges that would help. Um, Samuel is considered the last of the judges and the first of what the, they call the prophets. And in, in Samuel, First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 8, it says this. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old. Okay, first of all, if you're going to start a dialogue with somebody, not the best of ways to start your dialogue. But they start with Samuel. They say, Samuel, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. That was true. Now appoint a king to lead us such as the other nations have. We want to have a king. No more of this God being our king and bringing judges in. We want a king just like all the other nations around us. And so Samuel goes before the Lord in prayer and says, they're asking for a king, and, and the Lord says, don't worry about it. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. T go back and tell them what it will be like to have a king. And so Samuel goes back to the people and says, look, okay, if you want a king, here's what's going to happen. He will draft your sons into his army. Others will work his field. Others will work to make weapons of war. Your daughters will become perfumers, cooks, and bakers for the king. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves. He will tax a tenth of all your produce. He will take your servants and your cattle and your donkey for himself. You will ultimately become the king's slave. And the people say, that's what we want. Verse 19, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. So Samuel says, all right. And he, he anoints the first king, Saul. And then after that is David and then Solomon because the people wanted a king who would be powerful, who could fight their battles, who would lead them to be stronger. And then over the next few hundred years, there are good kings and there are bad kings. There are some kings that followed the way of Yahweh and others that didn't. The political struggles of the country are tied so closely to whether the leaders were following God or not. And the nation ultimately is taken into exile by Babylonia and Assyria. And they are taken away from their land and taken into other lands. And the prophets then speak of a deliverer who will come. That one day a deliverer will come. Isaiah 9, it's what the Menjavars read. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so Isaiah says to the people, 
king is coming. And this king, instead of putting the burden of the government on the people, says that he will take the government on his shoulder. He will be the one that will take the burden. And then from the time of that prophecy, there's about 400 years of silence, of the people waiting, of the nation of Israel continuing to be under the dominion of other nations. 400 years of waiting. And at the time when Jesus is born, the nation of Israel is under the Roman government. And the people are waiting for a king or a messiah who will restore their nation and free them and cause them to be independent people. They are thinking that there will be a king who will take them into battle and get rid of the Romans. But Yahweh has something completely different in mind. And an angel visits a young girl in Nazareth, maybe 14, 15 years old. And this is what the angel says in Luke chapter 1 to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You see the words of, of kingdom in there? Right? He, he says that he, he will be called great. The Lord will give him the throne, that he will reign and he will have a kingdom. These are words of a king that the angel speaks to this young woman. After Jesus is born in, in Matthew chapter 2, they have the, the visits of the magi. And, and here in Matthew 2 is what it says in Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. These magi come from the east and they say, where is the king? We saw a star. We know that means a king has been born. So Herod asks his advisors, where's the king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they say, well, it's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, which is about six miles away from Jerusalem. So the Magi make the trip there, and they get to where Jesus has been born. And it says in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. Gifts for a king. They bowed down and worshiped a baby because they know they are worshiping a king. All of the gospels talk about this incredible revolution that is taking place. That there is a new king. Gospel of Mark starts this way. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the first line. Seems kind of innocent in many respects. But here's what Tim Keller says about that first line. He says, Mark wastes no time in establishing the identity of his subject. He abruptly and bluntly asserts that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. 
Christos was a Greek word meaning the anointed royal figure. It was another way of referring to the Messiah, the one who would come and administer God's rule on earth and rescue Israel from all its oppressors and troubles, not just a king, but the king. Everything we read in the Gospels is pointing to this, that Jesus is the king. And Christmas is the birth of the king that we start. So fast forward about 33 years or so. The baby that was born in a manger has grown up to be a man. He's a strong man. He was a carpenter for most of his life. For about the last three years, he's gathered a group of disciples around him, and they've gone from village to town to major city, and they, where they go, he heals people, and he preaches, and he teaches, and, and all of that, and he talks about God in a way that nobody had ever heard before. And he and his disciples have entered into Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Passover. And as he enters in, he comes in on a donkey, right? And it's a statement that the king is arriving. And the religious leaders, their anger grows and their jealousy just grows. And so they arrest him. And they try him on their own and they beat him up a little bit. And they bring him before Pilate, the Roman governor, who really is the one who has Power. And Jesus and Pilate have this dialogue in John chapter 18. Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews but now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. He looks anything but a king. He has no palace, no robes, no army, no riches, no territory. He stands there before Pilate, beaten, bruised, tired, worn out. And yet he speaks of a kingdom from another place that's built upon truth. At another time, he, he said that, there, that the kingdom was actually within you. You see, Pilate, I think, knows that, well, he's not sure what to do with Jesus, to be honest. I think he wants to let him go. I think he knows that he, Jesus had been brought to him just because of the jealousy of the religious leaders of the day. And so in John 19, he, he brings Jesus out and he, and he he says to the Jews, here is your king. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them 
to be crucified. And so the king was crucified. The king was beaten and broken, spit upon and rejected, betrayed and denied. He was not a king of power or political influence. He was a king, actually, of downward mobility. He was a king of a different kingdom, a most, a most unusual king. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. You, you, you see that Jesus, the king, he, he knows that the broken world will not be healed through battles and warfare, but through service and sacrifice. That, that flourishing doesn't happen through uh, domination and fear, but through love. That, that, that's how the world will actually experience joy. It's through the love of this king, the sacrifice of this king, this giving of his life. Henry Nouwen says this about joy. He says, joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing Sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. You see, we are unconditionally loved by the king. Unconditionally loved by the one who gave his life for you and I. And the song says that we are to let every heart prepare him room. Prepare your heart <laughs> for the king. And, and here's the beautiful thing about this. I mean, I think if you knew that a king was coming over to your house, that you would spend all day trying to get that house ready, cleaning everything up, getting rid of every cobweb in the corners, all the dust. It would, and the beautiful thing about this King Jesus is that he will come into our hearts no matter what condition it's in. No matter how broken we feel. No matter what we may have said to someone, done to someone. No matter whatever the condition of our heart, Jesus comes in. We just have to make a little bit of room for him. Right? Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat dinner with them, and they will eat with me. And then here's what this king does. Because he's so glorious, because he's so loving, he's so good, that when he is in our heart, then he begins to enlarge his presence in our heart. That, 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 that he begins to become more and more and we become less and less. And, and the king, who was beaten and broken and killed on a cross, 
comes in and gives us life that we've never imagined. Let every heart prepare him room. So this Christmas season, prepare your heart for him. Make room for him. Even if all you can do is say, hey, just come on in. I, I can't put, I can't get things right. No, you can't. He will come in and he will become greater and we will become less. This is the king. This is the king we celebrate this Advent season. And Christmas is his birth. My prayer for us this season is this, that he will be born in us. Let's pray. The Lord, we confess and admit that you are the king and also confess that so often, Lord, we try to be the king of our own lives, that we, believe, we, we act as if there's no room for you. So, Lord, I pray that you would, whatever, we, whatever space we can make available, Lord, that you would come in, and then you would do your good work in us. Thank you for this season where we celebrate the birth of a king, a most unusual king. Help us to know you deeply this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.